podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back and buckle up because it is time for another game preview episode. Grant, welcome back. I'm pumped for it. You said that you were 100% doing a beer of the pod as you pour yours. My beer of the pod (laughs) is sponsored by the great folks over at Spotify Green Room. It's a live audio only sports talk platform free to download and use to talk to both of us. Other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time, perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. It's a free app that you can download the Apple, iOS, or Android App Store. Just link it with your Twitter account, and you're good to go. We'll be going live every Wednesday, 7 p.m. in God's time zone. Join us, let your voice be heard, and then those shows will publish on Friday. Mine is a classic, the classic, Schlafly's Pumpkin Ale. Mm. I saw what you poured. You're a pumpkin boy as well tonight. What are you? uh... Actually, I don't know how to say this. Uh, Saga Tuck? Yeah, it's like up in Michigan, I think. Whatever, but it's a, it is a pumpkin amber ale brewed with natural pumpkin and chai tea. Um, You know what? I got called out recently for saying chai tea by Mrs. Short. Um, Apparently chai just means tea. So it's like saying tea, tea, but nobody seems to know that. I'll keep calling it chai tea, though. I mean, it's right there Anyways, on the can. It's right there on the can. Well, it says chai tea, but I, it, according to her... I mean, that's, that's fine. She's that a great make. woman. She's great smart. Woman. She's smarter than me. Yes, but, but, um, but you're just reading what's on the can. I think there's nothing wrong right, with it. Right, I don't think I'm, I'm committing some sort of crazy transgression by just reading the can and labeling it properly. But I tell you what, I like it. Quite a bit. You said you've had it before. You said yeah, you was thought it was okay. Um, I think it's probably. Then again, my my memory is not great. I feel like I had like ten different pumpkin beers last year, and I can't really remember anything about them. That's why you need I like how this one. That. This one's pretty straightforward, and I like it a lot. I think it's good. I think it's closer to the Schlafly than any other pumpkin ale that I've had. But that's my opinion. Oh, I've had some that are like much more kind of classic, but you know, it, it's fine. If you ever come back over, uh, it's my house. You can take some of those with you. Again, I just need to go to one other liquor store. No, I've, no, I've no, only no, gone no, to no. I'm not giving you any of my Schlafly's. I'm saying you can oh, take some of my pumpkin sure. chai. Like I'll have one or two more, but I'm not going to buy it next year. It was fine, but yeah, I like pumpkin it though. Boy Nation but, stand um, up, though. Pumpkin Boy Nation stand up. Less, less so about a beer of the pod, really just uh, wanting to drink alcohol. I almost just straight up bypassed it and did pure liquor. So, but I stuck with the beer of the pod. It's been a long time since I've done that. So, well, we just had years. Uh, so, Cole Hager, great bonehead, always on the live show. He just sent, uh, uh, mm-hmm. sent in one, um, Hey Pumpkin from Denver Beer Company. I need to track that down because, man, it looks good. That great, does look good. Great, great color. All right. Well, 
but time to get into it. Um, here it is. Um, it's a game that folks have been nervous for for a really long time. Um, and now I think folks are even <laughs> yeah. more nervous because, you know, we don't, you know, don't have Skyler. But, hey, it, it is what it is. We're going to get into it. Uh, as always, we're going to start with uh, Coach uh, Clemens' press conference. But before we do, King Felix, Mr. DK. He was the uh, Big 12 Newcomer of the Year or of the Week award winner uh, this past week, which I think they're just – I think the Big 12 is not is basically pretending like last year didn't happen, um, which I'm fine with. Didn't mm-hmm. happen. Last year doesn't count. <laughs> um, so I think that's why he got the award because he played in, I think, five of the games last year. But um, props to him. He's our first award getter. Uh, for this year so uh you know we'll, we'll toast to him i don't know if he's 21 but felix Absolutely. king felix if you are have a pumpkin beer on us send me a venmo request absolutely okay. warranted oh. um monster and- week three sacks and two strip i mean basically won us the game if you you could look at it that way legendary um, performance. yeah i'm, buying, I'm bought into the hype i'm bought into the hype now i don't know white hubert never had one um maybe all right someone tweet us in possibly i don't know first person to tweet us in um last three sack performance i'll send you a koozie um so let's get into it coach Clemens' press conference uh he had he he basically started off his uh press conference saying thank you to the fans saying it was electric to see the stadium filled again i agree with him um again it's just kind of shame that skyler went down because i I had a feeling that the roof was getting ready to just go off that place and i think we would have Mm -hmm. boat raced them but um it is what it is we got official word so uh we haven't recorded an episode before all the big j journos or since all the big j journos started saying skyler is gonna come back it's not a season and ending injury but climbing just straight up said hey He's going to come back. There's no table. He is 100% out this week, but they're going to reevaluate each week. Um, which, again, from where when I saw him laying there to mm-hmm. hearing that, it's just like roller coaster of emotions. I'm just so happy he's that's not how it's going to end. Whether or not he comes back and can be effective, we'll have that conversation when he comes back. But how good is it to know that, hey, this guy <laughs> who is given so much to the K State program and sacrificed so much? Um, that's not going to be his final play. How big is it that, hey, he at least doesn't have to go out like that? Obviously, it's – I mean, it's gargantuan, absolutely insane. I thought for sure – everyone in the stadium thought for sure it was over. It nearly cost us the game. It sucked every bit of energy out of the stadium. Every fan in that stadium was thinking the worst. Um, rumors were, you know, swirling, and I think people were wanting to have hope because he walked off the field that often, I guess, doesn't mean jack shit with knee injuries, certain knee injuries, but man, it's, it's so great. And it's funny because Kurtz tweeted that, I guess it, Kurtz tweeted a quote of basically what climate said that, you know, gave the team quite a big lift knowing that Skyler was going to be back. And it's like, I fucking bet it did after watching, you know, what they had to kind of trudge through in the second half or the, the, the three or the four quarters. So I, I mean, it gives the team extra motivation to, you know, kind of bust their ass through these two to three weeks while Skyler's out to try to make up for it, I think. And I'm beyond excited, beyond excited, because I was so depressed. It's just, 
on one level, you're depressed for Skyler. I mean, he just was out his true senior year and, you know, he did all that work to battle back. And I just, and on the other hand, the fan depression of just like, I had such high hopes for this season. And I think this is a legitimately complete team. So to see him go down like that with, which actually, I think it was actually a contact injury. It just well, yeah, looked like, I, yeah. I was just about to get into it because I think he got so crunched. Th- there have been some whispers. Uh, and I, I think, I think, I don't know if it's been confirmed by anyone like on the record, but there's been whispers that the injury actually occurred on the interception when he was trying to mm-hmm. chase that guy out, Ben Adler kind of rolled up on his knee. Yeah. When that happened in the moment, I thought he got hurt and he came up limp and I was just like, Oh shit. But he came out, you know, the next year, it's like, all right, maybe he's fine. Um, so there was nothing scary though than seeing him just like crumple knee pull up and, you know, go straight down that never is anything good and you know we've dodged a bullet here and i think fingers crossed but i that goes along with um kind of my vibe of this year of this is just we've got the magic this year we've got the luck it could have gone so much worse i mean obviously you could look at it that skyler's injured out for two years entering our toughest stretch and that's pretty unlucky but we're gonna get him back and I'd say we're pretty damn fortunate to only have them out for a few weeks. No, I, I agree with you right there. It'll be interesting to see what the team can do without him. And we'll, we'll talk about that, you know, every week as we're still waiting to see him come back. Um, let's keep moving on. There's a lot of kind words for Carson Strong, who's the quarterback over at Nevada. Excuse me. Kleiman said that uh, he, he even calls his own plays, does all, all his own audibles. So it is not easy to fool a player like that. Um, I think he might be – I mean, it's him or Spencer Rattler, the best quarterback we're going to face this year. And I actually think that if you're saying purely this year, only in, you know, the Lord's year 2021, mm-hmm. I think he's the best quarterback we're going to face this year. Yeah. Um, I have never seen him play. I fully admit that. I am, but I would say don't watch any of his games or highlights, like, leading into the game. Don't. I'm not going to watch anything about him. Okay. Um, because you'll – because, you know, I mean, good for your there's, He's good. there's plenty of hype. I mean, to see him as the number one overall pick on a couple of different, you know, prospective draft boards is pretty uh, jarring in and of itself. Um, but you know what? It is what it is. We've seen a lot of very good quarterbacks come through Manhattan and come into Manhattan. So um, just add him to the list and we'll have to do what we can. Yep. It's exciting. I'm excited to see him play in person, honestly. I mean, hold on. I might have to sneeze. No, don't have to sneeze. All right. Uh, so, Coach Hammond also kind of called out the entire offensive, uh, offensive team, saying that they need to do a better job protecting the ball. Uh, said that they're going to have to hit ball security drills, uh, you know, basically for the rest of the year, because once it's on tape, everyone's going to be coming after the ball. He said, similar to if you ever get a punt blocked every other team for rest of the season is going to try to block a punt on you. So um, it was interesting to hear him be so open about that, but Hey, I, I think coach climbing, there is no in between. He's, he's either pure coach speak or maybe shares too much. There's going to get to a point where I was like a little bit shocked. I'll, I'll, I'll call it out when we get there that he was so open. Um, so uh, that particularly didn't bother me. I think that was a little bit of just oh, kind of like a I'm not challenge. I'm not saying challenging his team. I'm not saying it bothers me, but again, he could have just been like, Oh yeah, you know, we need to do a better job. He's like, Nope, 
have to do a better job. We're going to be doing these drills and this is why and just kind of laid it out. Um, the thing next about part- climbing is even when he, you feel like he's sharing too much or it, it's always got like a very specific uh, point to it, even if it's veiled. Um, no, I agree with you. He's a fucking media genius. He's, he's very good. He's very good at the media. I do think so too. Um, he did give a shout out to coach White and coach too. He said that in every single uh, team or position period, they work on going after the football and sack situations says that, Hey, that's why Felix really took to that. That's awesome. I like that. Hey, teach them to go after the ball. If you're going for sacks, granted, make sure you're getting the quarterback down, but Hey, if you're causing turnovers, if you're practicing every time you're going for a sack, try to find that Paul punch it loose. I'm all for that. I agree. I mean, we're going to need those. We're going to need those extra possessions. No doubt. Matt Lack had a pretty big whiff, but yeah, I'll, he give, did. I'll cut him some slack. Well, I mean, also shout out to Matt Lack. I mean, he's out there just, you know, he's going after it. Again, you hear some of this offseason hype. Sometimes it doesn't come to fruition. I think the Matt Lack hype is real. I, yeah. I like he, he did have a whiff, but he's getting penetration. You can see those first step moves in those passing situations. I'm excited to see what that kid can do. Um, he yeah. did, did talk about Jaron Lewis said that right now he's uh, getting the quarterback two rep, uh, reps says that he gives the team confidence and maturity. Uh, Coach Clemens excited to see him get some more reps this week because quarterback three doesn't get a ton of practice reps. He's one step closer playing. They're confident in him if he has to go. He said that the gap between him and Will Howard isn't tremendously wide. It really comes down to game reps. I'm calling bullshit there because I mean, if you recall, yeah. when they pulled Will Howard, Howard a couple times last year, they're playing Nick Ost. So, again, I think that it's just him trying to keep Jaron, you know, focused, Gaged. especially yeah. since he's now just one snap away from having to play for the first time in his career. So I'm kind of calling BS there. But, again, <sighs> all, all the rumors is the kid has a live arm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, let's just blow Nevada the fuck out and then see Jaron Lewis. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, I call bullshit on that too. I don't trust really anything that coach says about the quarterbacks unless it's related to Skylar Thompson's, you know, like abilities, but uh, I don't know. I, I definitely don't believe that. I don't either, but we'll, we'll keep moving on. Um, uh, he, he was saying that Nevada's going to have four down linemen said that they're very disruptive. That's something that's going to cause uh, will issues. That's going to be something I keep my eye on. I need the offensive line to be better in pass pro. Um, so we'll see what happens. This is the point where I thought, okay, he overshared, but it's to your point. I think he's challenging the entire special teams room because he was very pointed when he said this. He mm-hmm. says they need to be better at special teams, not because we're bad or even average. He says, but they put more time, as much, if not more time into special teams than anyone else in the country's. And in the first two games, we haven't seen the dividends pay. Uh, they need to flip the fields. They need to get a touchdown. And then he specifically said, you have to pin the ball inside the five when you get a chance to pin the ball inside the five. Um, so <coughs> I'm all for him doing those challenges. Uh, yeah, I, and I like that. And, and again, the special teams haven't been bad, but I think he's ac- I, I think he's telling the truth. If we're truly spending that much time on special teams, which has been a staple which is something that he said he didn't do at North Dakota State and he was going to start doing here, you need to have at least one of those like, game-changing plays a week if you're going to be spending that much time on special teams, don't you? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, and I think he's challenging this team at a very specific time where the team absolutely needs to have yep. some sort of special team contribution because we are a little bit vulnerable now without our starting quarterback. So um, I'm interested to see what happens um, because obviously a lot of drilling, if a lot of drilling does go into special teams, um, it typically does pay dividends. It always has for us because, you know, that's what we've always heard. K-State spends so much more time on special teams than anyone else, you know, coming at least from the Snyder era. But, shit, right now we need it more than anything. So I'd be interested. I, that makes me, like, worry, though, that we're going to – it makes me worry that there's too much pressure put on the special teams. And I'm, I just – now I'm expecting the worst. I'm expecting errors. But hopefully I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong, too. Um, speaking of being wrong – uh, this is 100% on me. Tayton Winkle actually is a redshirt junior from Butler Community College. I had said he was a freshman last week on our review show. Had quite a few people reach out on that correction. So just hand up. That was on me. Uh, had him mixed up. So he, he's a redshirt junior. He's in his 20s. Not a freshman like I previously said. We'll keep moving on. He specifically was asked about the safeties. And I agree with him when he says that he's very pleased with that position said that there are six guys who are playing back there. They're all interchangeable parts. He said Russ Yeast and TJ are playing very, very well. He said that there is still even more upside for TJ Smith, which we've talked about. We talked about in this offseason. I think when it's all said and done, TJ Smith has first-team all-Big 12 potential. He has draft pick potential. He has, you know, maybe not legend potential, but he has like, hey, upper-tier K-State safety potential. Um, and I'm excited to see him develop and see what he does over the rest of his career. He said that Ross and J-Mac both aren't 100%. They're getting closer. But TJ's been your guy basically from the jump. Um, and you wanted to give him a special shout-out last week. Just how pleased are you Love with him. how TJ has been? And if, if Kleiman's right, hey, he, he still is not even close to his ceiling. What do you think we could see from TJ year two, three down the line? I mean, he gives me, he gives me Tyron Matthew vibes. I mean, he's five, nine, but he's got, he reps that seven with all the swagger in the world. And he has positional flexibility. We all thought he was going to be playing nickel. So exactly what you said, the Tyron Matthew vibes, he can play anywhere in the back seven. And you're thinking, Hey, this guy's just a play waiting to happen. And the craziest thing is, I mean, he just came off of a major knee injury and it doesn't look like one, it doesn't look like, he lost a step. It looks like he honestly has gained speed. He's gained size. So I, I, I think he honestly is a contender for my favorite player on the defensive side of the ball. Now this year we happen to have a lot of really likable players. So for me to say that really goes a long way, but I also want to give Russ used a shout out. I'm glad that coach said his name. He has been kind of a breath of fresh air in the safety room and I said it early on that Russ Hughes was getting like, this is way early in the summer that I felt like Russ Hughes was getting a shit ton of disrespect. I mean, the guy played four years at Louisville and yeah, was a I think pretty was heavy like, contributor. Yeah. I think it was like and one he, random report of like, Oh, he, he isn't quite up to speed yet. In it the just spring, felt but like, like no one was talking about him, but f- what I've seen from him so far has, oh, he's been like, he's really, played like almost every play. Yeah, he's not rotating I mean, out he has far exceeded my expectations and that's even before, you know, before any type of negative report on him. Um, I expected him to come in and kind of be like a solid, reliable J Mac type of guy, but he seems like far more of like an impact 
type playmaker. He's got more speed. He's got more ability to close down those gaps. And I'm a huge fan. I mean, man, I just, this is the most fun defense we've had in a really long time. And I just love the, the mixture of experience and youth is just really, it's really exciting. It is. Um, he said similar to Stanford, they have wide receivers who can go up and win 50, 50 balls. That scares me because again, if you, if you combine future NFL quarterback, two future NFL wide receivers and NFL tight end, the secondary is going to have to be on point. We're going to need mm-hmm. to see them live up to that potential. Um, well, it, and I'm a little worried, <laughs> especially with the whole 50, 50 ball thing. Like, Russ Yeast, or I, it was really Julius Brents and Echo one time. Mm-hmm. They didn't do anything wrong. They just have to be prepared to turn around, make a play on the ball, and prevent those 50-50s from happening. You have to just kind of be – you have to be on your best in coverage and be quicker to find the ball. And it's like that's asking a lot of college defensive backs. So I, I, I really am worried about those wide receiver matchups out on the outside. Yeah, but I have more faith in our boundary corners than I have had since, and I mean this, the early 2000s. I mean, we have experience, length, um, size. I mean, I'm, we've I'm got with it you. all. I'm with and you, but we saw I what think, Stanford did with sub, subpar quarterback play. That's where my worries come. I agree, but I feel like a lot of that came from – we were most exposed um, – by Stanford's passing game in the seams when we had, you know, oh, I'm like worried about like, that too. Don't worry. Like I'm worried about that. Yeah, too. Yeah. I, I really feel like, you know, the, the couple times that I can think where our boundary corners were tested, at least they were there. And, you know, when that field shortens up, I have more faith that they're going to be able to lock it down than you know, an occasional giving up a third down, it happens, you know, it, it happens. And that was a great outside of the short of shoulder throw. The quarterback put it really where no corner is going to get, unless he's turned around and he can jam his arm in there. It was a great play. It was a great catch. It was a great pass. It is what it is. I, I just have, I have faith in the Brownie corners. There's there and our secondary just as a unit, but there are other spots that scare me a little bit with this passing attack. No, I, I agree with you. Um, coach was specifically asked about Jake Rubley. He's doing an okay job. Said they had a soft tissue injury uh, the week leading up to Stanford. So he missed a lot of, or I guess he's, I shouldn't say a lot. He missed a few practices. So he's getting back into practice, not ready to play, but he's pleased with the progress. John Kurtz has done a great job um, banging the drum of this on Twitter. I, and again, I, I was do, making observations about, you know, Jake Rubley having his helmet on being around the huddle uh, last game and Jaron Lewis not and saying, Hey, maybe he's QB three. No, I, Jaron Lewis is in front of him, but John Kurtz was making a lot of good points. Like, Hey, this kid played in like one and a half high school games and he had to move States and start trying to play with a team. He's never played with before for a senior year of high school. He had to deal with this injury. He had to deal with basically being homeschooled and just his entire life being like, blown up his senior year of high school I don't think just because he's not ready to play you know what not even a year after his 18th birthday it's it's reason to throw in the towel on Jake Rubley I'm not willing to do that at all but I do think it's good to kind of put some context around him because you know you you could almost hear the 
the student section chanting for Rubley. I know there's people on Twitter talking about Rubley, and it's like, all right, we just need to chill. We don't need to torpedo Will and even Jaron Lewis for a guy that isn't ready to play. And it's also not fair to Jake Rubley to write him off in his entire career just because he (laughs) isn't ready to go. No, I mean, I don't really have anything to say about Rubley. He is exactly where I would expect him to be at this point in his career. I mean, I know he has more pedigree, more potential, probably more talent than Will Howard. Um, But I think if he was dropped into a game right now, he'd look a lot like Howard did last season. Um, It's just the reality of a freshman quarterback. Outside of blue-chip-type freshman quarterbacks, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a whole lot of, you know, freshman quarterbacks – that are getting real game time and gameplay that aren't, um, you know, definitely are, are far from a finished product. And I, I, I have no anxiety about Rubley. I think he'll be fine. He's a, he's one for the future. He's a kid and um, he'll battle it out next year with Will Howard. So I'm, I'm not really worried about it. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh, final thing, just some more praise for Will. He said that he prepares very well. He said that he is better, bigger, stronger, and faster and understands the offense better than he was last year. Um, But the whole team needs to play better as well. You and I both were (laughs) – I I think if we could go back and re-record the post-game episode, we might have – would have probably wanted to be a little softer on him. At least I would. And I I think we got caught – or at least I – I'm going to try not to speak for you. I think I got caught up in it little bit too much last year because again all these things we're saying about Jake Rubley well Will Howard was a true freshman last year yes he had more uh time as a senior in high school uh but you know I is he going to be an all-time great probably not but Mm -hmm. I I I think we, we probably need to pump the brakes just a little bit with how down we were after that uh game and just say hey look he does you can visibly see he is bigger you he obviously knows the playbook better than he did last year. There are people who know football better than me that say his footwork was better than it was last year. So, you know, I'm going to just trust Kleiman, and, and maybe this is the last time I ever trust Kleiman ever again when he when it comes to talking about quarterbacks, if it's just if – he, if he throws up a stinker on Saturday. But I'm going to go into it thinking, hey, look, he had some solid moments last year. He had like two or three really good plays – you know, out of 40. Uh, <laughs> you just that, negated everything you just said. I know. I, I'm a dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's like, okay, I, I'm going to I'm gonna let it ride. I'm going to see what happens on Saturday. I'm going to go in there with, like, big Will energy, um, big Willie style, Bill the but- Butcher. I'm going to go with all that type of stuff when Saturday rolls around. Um, so I we'll forgot just, about Bill the Butcher. It's a yeah. very good one. I've been calling him Will the Thrill, but Bill the Butcher is very good. Um, 10, 15. I, yeah, I'm um, trying to be 10, 15. I'm trying to be more from optimistic Pennsylvania. on <laughs> I know on the situation with Will Howard. I mean, really, we just need him to be serviceable and protect the ball better, and I think this team will function just fine. But I agree. Um, the sentiment on you know the boards was that several people did a rewatch and that it wasn't nearly as bad as it seemed. And I kind of wish that I would have done a rewatch because when I'm sitting in section four, you know, I'm down low. It is hard to see a lot of the details of the game that you get on the television, but 
Here, here's didn't the seem thing. good. Here, here's the thing. I did do a rewatch. I, I'm not going to, again, because I was trying to like do this whole, like, <laughs> oh, everything's going to be fine. But people are like, oh, it wasn't as bad. Okay, yes, it wasn't as bad because people were saying, oh, this is the worst quarterback since, and then they were inserting like every single bad quarterback in the history of K-State. <laughs> yes, it wasn't like the worst quarterbacking performance in the history of the school. But it wasn't good. Anyone who's trying to say, like, oh, he, you know, he did this right. Yeah, yeah, yada, yada, yada. No, like it wasn't good. But again, the entire team was rattled because the heart and soul of the team went down. He wasn't thinking he was going to yeah. have to go in until mop up duty. The coaches probably were not preparing him to have to go in until mop up duty. Um, you know, I, I think it was like, and again, I, I'm not getting the all 22 from that game. So maybe. There's some routes that probably should have been better. I don't know. But, like, anyone who's trying to be like, oh, it was a fine performance. No. I mean, it sucked. It was not good. But we've seen Will Howard be better. And we know he can be yeah. better. And he's another year in the system. So, I have confidence that thing. he's going yes. to be better on Saturday. He's going to be better on Saturday than he was for Southern Illinois. I have no doubt about that. Now, it's how much better. That's what yeah. it has to be gauged on. The thing with Will is the consistency. It's like he will show flashes where it's like you see, you know, a competent quarterback that looks calm, that makes solid decisions, and then you'll see him on the next drive just have a wide-open guy where in a clean pocket and he puts it five yards over his head into the linebacker's hands. He just needs and to it's, keep his confidence. He just, he just needs, needs to, to chill the fuck out. And I don't know. Um but it, I, I agree after, you know, upon reflection, even with the experience of last season, which was probably a jarring as fuck experience, the kid had no spring ball. He had really no contact with coaches as we've learned in the last, you know, month or so, how little players actually had face-to-face contact with coaches last year. Um, so, I mean, he was just coming in as a legitimate true flash freshman against um, you know, division one, big 12 power five defenses. And he probably didn't know shit about the playbook. I mean, he's probably was traumatizing and the entire team basically was shocked. It felt like the entire stadium, the entire team was in shock, you know, seeing their quarterback go down with what seemed like a non-contact season injuring season ending knee injury after, you know, you know, their captain and leader battled back through so much shit. It was probably a very tough scenario to go into. And I believe, and I could be wrong, but did Will was the first turnover Deuce Vaughn? Yep. So he comes in. Well, he comes in, a, finishes a drive for a finishes touchdown. A drive, looks drives solid. us for a touchdown, then mm-hmm. Deuce, and then and then the all shit, shit shit hits the fan. Um, and it got a little scary. So yeah, I don't know. I I, I think maybe. God, that's a great point. That's a great point because he had two drives where he scored back-to-back touchdowns, and it just feels like – I mean, we were up 21-3. It just feels like he should have been comfortable at that point. But I digress. We're not going to worry about it. It's a new day. They're preparing for Will Howard all week, and he knows he's going to be the guy. So let's see. Let's just see. It's not like Nevada's defense is all that. Um no, so that they're gives not, me, we're gonna be able we're gonna be able to run on them, which is the yeah. other thing that I like. 
Yes, I agree. So we'll see. All the man needs to do is take care of the ball and uh, just manage the game, and I think we'll be okay. But I've got faith in Will the Thrill, the Butcher, Penis. 10-15. We're not calling him Penis. Um, sorry. Right. I, 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 anytime I tweet out pumpkin beers, someone's like, oh, give me your top three. Um, and you just have to do it. I do. I do. Also, I need to – just anyone listening on the pod, we've talked about Schlafly. I've talked about my love for Atomic Pumpkin. Anyone out there who sees the Eliason Pumpkin Sampler, you have to get, there's four great ones in there. Okay. Um, the Eliason's one's good. There's the other one that I don't like. Okay. So let's get is into it, not, it. Is it not Elysian? Elysian, probably. Elysian. Sorry. I'm yeah. bad at pronouncing stuff. It's okay. I apologize. All right, we're going to get into our Wildcat Roundup and Game Primers. They're sponsored by Adopt, Don't Shop. If you want a furry friend and a companion for your whole family, make sure you go to one of the great shelters throughout this country. Find your newest member. This week's Wildcat Roundup is given to us by Connor Baltazor, a senior at K-State, and he's one of the hosts of Aggieville Alley Cats. I want to give a shout out to the K-State volleyball team. Before we started recording this, they swept Missouri 3-0, and I think he recorded his Wildcat Roundup before that. So. The volleyball team's on a six-game winning streak, so shout out to them. Uh, and volleyball is a ton of fun to watch, so uh, support the Volleycats. Uh, they're going to go to the big dance. All right, the Nevada, Nevada Primer, or Nevada Primer, whatever, uh, is uh, brought to you by the host of the Reno Slant, a Nevada sports podcast, Nathan Shoop, and then the K-State Primers from John Kurtz of The Game 1350, the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast, and budding YouTube fame. Uh, Grant, you might not want to listen to it. He threw some shade at you. So uh, we'll get into those primers, and then we'll be back for the rest of our preview episode. How's it going, Wildcats? My name is Connor Baltzor, and I will be hosting this week's Wildcat Roundup. I'm a senior at K-State, one of the two hosts of Aggieville Alley Cats, a student-run K-State sports podcast, where we discuss K-State sports from a student perspective. But that's enough about me. Let's get into some K-State sports recap. So we'll go ahead and get started with women's soccer from last week. Unfortunately, they were not able to continue their hot start as they dropped the final game of their six-game road trip to Purdue 2-0. Purdue dominated this game statistically as they doubled up the Wildcats in total shots 21 to 10, and they vastly outnumbered K-State in shots on goal 8 to 2. And while Purdue did hold a significant advantage on the stat table, the Wildcats had chances to make this a much different game early on. Unfortunately, their attacks weren't quite able to get into the back of the net. The Wildcats then finally returned home and they faced Indiana at Booster Family Park. They fell, unfortunately, to the Hoosiers 3-0, all three of Indiana's goals coming in the first half of play. The Cats were once again doubled up on shot attempts 14-7, with all of K-State's shots coming in the second half. They also trailed in shots on goal 7-4. And one interesting thing about this game is that two of Indiana's goals came from almost at midfield, which is a complete rarity in soccer to even happen once, so I'm not sure how that happened twice. Uh, the Wildcats are now set a 500 in soccer with a 4-4 four and four record. The Wildcats have not scored a goal since September 15th when they dropped four on Colorado State in a victory. 
They will look to get back on track this Sunday, September 19th, against the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, or UTRGV. They have a common opponent this season that they've both faced in South Dakota State. The Cats won their exhibition against South Dakota State 2-1, while UTRGV dropped their match 3-1. Their match will be on Sunday, September 19th, at home at Booster Family Park at 1 p.m. It also will air on Big 12 Now and ESPN+. And you can get audio from kstatesports.com. Later that week, they will play host to the Texas Longhorns on September 23rd at 7 p.m. This match will also be on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus with online audio available at kstatesports.com. Now let's go ahead and get into K-State Volleyball. K-State Volleyball is in the middle of a five-game winning streak with some moments of pure dominance and others where they struggle to pull out a victory. But nonetheless, the five-game winning streak still stands. This past week, they hosted the K-State Invitational, where they faced Ohio, Loyola, Chicago, and Fresno State. In the first match, they faced the Ohio Bobcats, and they were no challenge for Kansas State. They won in straight sets, and the first and third sets were very comfortable victories. Aaliyah Carter continued her dominance on the court and led the Wildcats with 11 kills. Holly Bonday was very efficient for the Cats and had 8 kills on 17 attempts. The Wildcat defense was stout as well with 12 blocks led by Tayana Adams-Kaoni, who had 4 blocks for herself. K-State then defeated Loyola Chicago 3-2 in a back-and-forth game, where the Wildcats took sets 1-2 and and then Loyola Chicago took sets 3-4, and only for the Wildcats to recover and win the final set 15-8 and take care of business. Holly Bonday led the Wildcats in kills with 18 on a whopping 53 attempts. Aaliyah Carter had 17 kills on 52 attempts, although she had 12 errors in the process. All around, a solid dub for the Cats. K-State capped off the weekend by defeating Fresno State 3-2. They dropped the first set 25-23, only to storm back and win set 2 by dominating score 25-10 and set 3 25-21. Fresno State took back set 4, but the Cats held on and won in set 5 15-8. Haley Warner was the offensive story of the day, accruing 18 kills on 33 attempts for a very efficient day. A 3-0 weekend and a K-State Invitational title now has the Cats at 6-2 on this season. This upcoming week, they will be traveling to Columbia, Missouri to face old Big 12 foe Mizzou. On Tuesday, September 14th at 4 p.m., this will air on SEC Network Plus and K-Man Radio. Missouri is just 2-7 on the season so far. Then they will travel back to the state of Nebraska, and they will be facing Weber State, who is 5-3, on Friday, September 17th at 1 p.m., and Nebraska-Omaha, who is 2-6, on Saturday, September 18th at 1 p.m., to end their non-conference slate. Both of these matches will air on Mavs All Access, and there will be audio coverage on kstatesports.com. Leah Carter and company will look to extend their winning streak to eight games by the end of this weekend. And that's it for this week's Wildcat Roundup. Again, I'm Connor Balthazor, one of the hosts of the Aggieville Alley Cats. It's a student-run K-State sports podcast. You can find our podcast on any podcast platform you listen to, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. You can follow our show on Twitter at Aggieville A Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. And you can follow my personal account at Connor Balthasor. That's capital C and capital B. 
Thank you very much to Bosco's Boys for having me on the show this week. And go Cats. This is Nathan. I am the co-host of the Reno Slant. We are a Nevada sports podcast. We've been putting a show out for just over three years, every single week. A little bit hard to believe. A quick background on myself. I was a sports writer and sports editor in Reno for four years. I covered Nevada. I was an on-air radio host in Reno. Had a show on ESPN Radio there. And I hosted that show solo that means I'm pretty much as used to doing this monologue as I guess anyone can be. If anyone wants to follow us, check us out leading up to the game on Saturday. You can find us on Twitter at the Reno Slant. You can find me on Twitter at Shoup, S-H-O-U-P. Nathan, you can also check us out online at TheRenoSlant.com. You can also find us on Instagram, really creative handle here, at the Reno Slant. Quick overview of Nevada and kind of how we've gotten to this spot. At 2-0, really anticipated season in Reno. Arguably the most anticipated season ever. You'd certainly have some diehards who'd say maybe the 2010 season was maybe a little bit more anticipated. That was the year when they had Colin Kaepernick. That's the year they beat Boise in Reno. And Boise was trying to get to the BCS title game. Kyle Brotsman missed a couple of field goals. A lot of people actually remember that game. I actually remember that was before I moved to Reno. Uh, beside the point, really exciting year. Picked to uh, pick to win the West Division, first time ever Nevada has been picked to win the division in the Mountain West. And expectations for the season have not changed. After a, a win at Cal in the opener, they had to grind that thing out. They were down fourteen nothing early. Had one possession in the first quarter. Cal took took it down the field and scored twice. Then Nevada just worked its way back. Ended up coming back and winning that game. And then last week. Just absolutely boat raced Idaho State and uh, Mackey home opener Colin Kaepernick. Speaking of Cap, first time in Reno since he graduated. He was inducted into the school's Hall of Fame. So it, was, it really was a fun night at Mackey last Saturday. As far as injuries go, nothing on the COVID front, at least not right now. We know how these things go. They can change very quickly. A couple things to look for. Right guard Drew Cannon, he got hurt in the Cal game. He missed the Idaho State game last week. It sounds like he's kind of day-to-day. I would be surprised if they bring him back, just given that Nevada has a bye next week. Give him an extra week to get ready. Gray Davis has filled in fine for him. Nevada's third down running back, Avery Morrow, had a good freshman year last year. We're hoping to see him expand his role a little bit more this year. He got hurt late in that Idaho State game last week. He, he limped off, so I don't know if we'll see him Nevada's two stud running backs, though, Toa Tawa and Devontae Lee, sh- should be good to go. I mentioned last week the, the route of Idaho State. That was a 49-10 ball game. Kind of lethargic start. Nevada was up 14-7 midway through the second quarter, took a 21-7 lead to, to the half. Idaho State took the opening kick in the second half, was able to get a field goal. They went onside, down 21-10. Nevada recovered it, didn't get a first down, punted. And Mackey's looking around saying, what is going on? This is a really bad Idaho State team. Nevada was favored by 35, 21-10 at that point. Nevada forces a stop, then marches down the field 80 yards in, I believe it was eight plays, 
and it was pretty much over at that point as the matter really poured it on in the second half. Um, Carson Strong went ballistic for the for the second straight week, four touchdowns, incredibly efficient. A uh, bunch of wide receivers, obviously, for, for Nevada. I, mean, I don't know if we're going to get too deep into this, but a couple names to watch. Romeo Dubs was a one-man wrecking crew last year. Elijah Cooks was the best offensive player on this team in 2019. He played one series last year before he had a sol- shoulder injury. He's back this year. He had two touchdowns versus Idaho State. That's one of the reasons that this offense has looked so good. Not only do you have Carson Strong, who's getting a ton of love, as a potential not only first round but even some mocks are putting him number one overall draft pick is one he's uber talented has a big arm he's really smart you'll see him make some throws on Saturday that will make your head spin I mean he'll he'll go near hash to far sideline on a 15 yard out on a rope And, and that's why scouts are excited about him and he has some some toys to play with and really make him look good Romeo Dubs who I just mentioned is one of his best friends is a roommate they also have uh Cole Turner who is a stud tight end. He's 6'5", 6'6", big kid, started at wide receiver. They moved him to tight end last year. He put up nine touchdowns. He had a touchdown on a goal line fade versus Idaho State, and that is no doubt the strength of this team. It's the the passing the passing game, how efficient they, they are. It's not just a drop it back and chuck air raid scheme, however. They do run the ball, I wouldn't say super effectively, but certainly they, they run it well enough to hold defenses honest you know that they're not gonna let defenses just drop eight at every single play especially with Devonte lee if if you want to have some fun watching some old youtube highlights type in Devonte lee high school highlights he went to a small high school in oklahoma and literally looked like a bowling ball running over people running over people excuse me so expectations moving forward the hope saturday is that obviously in reno they think this is a possible win I went on, on the show to preview the season and said this is a Mountain West title season or bust, which is probably a little bit unfair given that Nevada has never won a Mountain West title. However, they have potential three, maybe four NFL draft picks. Carson Strong maybe going number one overall. I'm sorry. You, you, you got to win the Mountain West at that point because you don't know when or if you'll ever have this much talent again at, at Reno. Strength of this team, I mentioned passing game. That's not going to change on Saturday. Biggest weakness for Nevada to keep an eye on, I'd probably go run defense, which plays into Kansas State's strengths a little bit and certainly something to be concerned about if, if you're Nevada. Nevada hasn't done particularly well stopping the run to this point. Cal ran really well and then for some reason abandoned it in the second half and Nevada was able to come back because of it. Idaho State ran pretty well early versus Nevada and then got away from it as well. That is allowing 146 rush yards per game for the fir- through the first two games, which isn't a ton. It's not great though. Number 79 nationally. The eye to keep the, the number to keep an eye on is they're allowing 4.3 yards per carry. Idaho State, Cal, both abandoned the, the run game. I do not expect Kansas State to, to run abandon the run game at all on Saturday. They're going to want to run the ball, keep Carson Strong on the offense on the sidelines. I'm expecting to see a ton of, of Deuce Vaughn. On Saturday, especially with, with Skyler going down last Saturday, so I think we're going to see a lot of Will Howard and, and Deuce Vaughn uh, running the ball. That, that's how I would attack this Nevada defense if I'm putting together a scheme. Two players to keep an eye on: Carson Strong, Romeo Dubs, Cole Turner. Those are the two best receivers, plus the quarterback. If you're going to throw Elijah Cooks in there as well, had, had the two touchdowns. Uh, I would I would name them. 
the most important thing for, for Nevada to win the game, they got to win on first down. Got to slow down Deuce Vaughn on, on first down. And if you can put Will Howard in obvious passing situations, then Nevada's in a much better spot. But if Nevada's continuing to let Kansas State move the chains, run the clock, keep the offense on the sideline, let the offense get frustrated, that's how this maybe gets sideways, especially on, on the road playing a Big 12 team. Prediction? We'll get out of here with this. When I did the season preview show a few weeks ago, I predicted a 30-28 to 28 Nevada win. I predicted Nevada to lose to Cal. They won at Cal, or they won at Cal. So I said they're going to win one or one of two of these. They've already won at Cal. So in my, pers- <laughs> in my opinion, they're already playing with house money. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game that this time around. Actually, well, this time around now that we're actually at game week. I'm going to say 24-23 final. I'll stick with Nevada. I'll go full homer. <laughs> I'll say Brandon Salton, who's a really good kicker. I'll say he hits a kick at the gun uh, to win this one. I think it's going to be a really fun game on Saturday. It's going to be a really close game on Saturday. And if Nevada can slow the run game, it wins. If Deuce Vaughn puts up 150 yards and scores three touchdowns, it's going to lose. That's all I got for you guys. Again, appreciate you having me on. For everyone who wants to follow me on social this week, get a Nevada perspective leading up to the game, and I'll obviously be live tweeting during the game. Again, my Twitter handle is at Shoup, S-H-O-U-P, Nathan. You can follow the podcast at The Reno Slant. You can check us out online at TheRenoSlant.com. We will obviously have our own season preview show, so if you want a full Nevada perspective leading into this one, where I will certainly go into more depth of what I t- touched on today, we, new episodes drop every Wednesday night. Again, thanks for having me, and let's have some fun on Saturday. Wonderful time of the year, ladies and gentlemen. And by that, I mean, of course, the time that I make my long-awaited return to Bosco's Boys to say hello to all of you bonehounds out there. Where are my bonehounds at? (coughs) Rest in power, D. And by return to Bosco's Boys, I, of course, mean a chance to, well, actually be on the show. Instead of Grant ditching me the second I text him to suggest four alternate times to record, Instead of immediately agreeing to the one 15-minute window he gives me at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning before an Arsenal game or something. Should have watched it on the Blue Chew, champ. And maybe you'd have a little more free time these days. But I digress. We're here to talk about K-State Nevada. It has been a roller coaster of a season so far for the Wildcats. Week one went as well as it possibly could have. K-State fans showed out in Arlington to the tune of almost 30,000 strong. The team absolutely body clocked the Cardinal in a 24-7 victory that could have and frankly should have been much worse. The much maligned defense looked lights out. The sauce boss Reggie Stubblefield was out here making plays. Khalid Duke split double teams with a fervor matched only by Stuart Mandel chasing an anti-Big 12 narrative. And Deuce was, well, Deuce. It was the first win for K-State since October 24th of 2020, a much simpler time Yes, you remember when Jeff Long was still making lewd comments about KU Athletics employees and Les Miles was, well, making lewd comments directly to Athletics employees. Uh, Okay, that may have been at LSU, but you get the point. Then came the Bruce Weber Bowl. 
or the Chris Lowry Bowl this Saturday, whichever Rorschach test you prefer. K-State fans heard all of last week about the danger of Southern Illinois, a top-10 FCS team with a high-powered passing attack, the total antithesis of Stanford. Early on, the Cats were cruising up 7-0, offense looking sharp, fat guy interceptions, the whole nine, until the ghost of Rico Jeffers jumped up from the Bill Snyder Family Stadium turf and sucked the life right out of the joint. Chris Kleiman cried, Skyler covered his head, Scott Wildcat gave us the thank you Dean tweet, and the bill fell silent. Flashbacks of seven weeks of Will Howard turnovers immediately permeated the premises. We're going to do this thing again? But alas, Howard put all the concerns to rest with back-to-back touchdowns, and K-State built a 21-3 lead. Everything was great until it wasn't. SIU blindsided K-State like Kanye at the VMAs with three unanswered touchdowns. I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. SIU had one of the best offenses of all time. Come on, you didn't think you'd get out of here without a reference to the GOAT, did you? Will Howard reverted back into a turnover machine, but K-State grinded its way to a win, thanks in large part to the defense again. Felix Anadike was a nightmare for SIU QB Nick Baker, and Deuce Vaughn shouldered a disproportionate load offensively. Survive in advance. That's the name of the game, boys. But now a zillion questions remain. Will Skylar Thompson return? Fortunately, we found out Monday that the answer isn't if, it's when, but it won't be this week. Can K-State win games with Will Howard? I don't think he's as bad as he looked on Saturday, but also probably not the best backup quarterback in the country. Will the defense hold up against a Big 12 schedule and, most pressingly, a future NFL quarterback in Nevada's Carson don't call him Wentz Strong coming in this weekend? And if a tree falls in the forest but it was only televised on ESPN+, Plus, did it really fall at all? If anybody does actually see this game at 1 o'clock on ESPN+, Plus, they'll see a Nevada squad that has already knocked off Cal by 5. Cal lost by 2 at TCU, so by transitive property, let's see, carry the 2 minus the 5, cosine of 7. Nevada would be better than TCU. If that doesn't get your attention, maybe this will. Vegas thinks Nevada's the favorite. Yes, the Cats are an early 2.5-point underdog here. Look, we can talk about Deuce Vaughn all day long. He'll be a key. The offense will have to rely heavily on him once again a week after he toted the rock 26 times. And the defense needs to be lights out again. K-State is not winning a shootout with anybody right now without Skylar Thompson. But this game is going to hinge on simply one thing. Can K-State get competent quarterback play? Whether that comes from Will Howard or Jaron Lewis, it doesn't matter, but it needs to be at least competent. And for the record, I love Jake Rubley, but please stop pounding my Twitter mentions asking about him. Judging by open practices, he has a long way to go, and that makes sense. He did not get a high school senior season because of covid and the Colorado High School Athletics Association, plus an assist to the Iowa High School Athletics Association. He's also young. Go look at Shane Porter's now infamous TikTok and tell me how old Rubley looks. I get it. He had four stars next to his name, but plenty of guys across the country come in as four stars, not ready to play right away. He just has more pressure here because, let's face it, we're not used to four-star players, let alone quarterbacks. If Howard and or Lewis regroup, K-State has every chance to win, but that is an if. Here's to hoping a week as the unquestioned starter in practice leads to some more confidence for the Butcher, and he carves up the Nevada defense just enough. Cats 27, Wolfpack 21. Bonehounds, crack open an ice-cold fruit-infused light lager of your choice 
Raise those koozies high and don't let anyone, and I mean anyone, derail your confidence in Big Bill Howard and the Cats this week. And now, back to the J-Boy Show, or uh, Bosco's Boys. All right, thanks so much to our uh, friends who helped us out with our uh, Primers Walkout Roundup. Shout out to Connor Baltazor of Aggieville Alley Cats, John Kurtz over 1350 The Game, and our new friend Nathan Shoup of uh, the Nevada Sports Podcast that is Reno Slant, the Reno Slant. So um, full disclosure, I fucked up and didn't record it the first time we did it, so we're running it back. So, again, <sighs> thanks again to the Wildcat Roundup. Um, shout out to the K-State Volleyball Sweeping Mizzou today. And uh, you know what? Let's get into it. Um, what does this game mean? Again, um, I always hate it when you have to like, – I thought this went really well we're the fucking, first time. We have to now pretend that we've never said anything that we and just again, said I the thought, last hour, I thought this was one of our is best. the worst things ever. I know. And, and every podcast that's ever existed has had to do this. Um, <laughs> we're just way more transparent than all the others. Um, it was a good podcast, too. This was I mean, really good. But you know um, what? This could even be better it's on the second not. time around because you know why? I poured a third beer, so like new things could come out. It's just gonna be just as bantery. Let's just get into it. Yes, let's get into it. The very first thing I put in there was building belief in Will Howard. As I said in the first part of the show, will Will Howard become a great K State quarterback? I have no idea. But the best thing that could happen for K State football is that Will Howard starts to have things click, and it starts with this game. It didn't happen last year. It didn't happen versus I or uh, Southern Illinois. But if he can have a big game and if he can lead us to a win, that could be massive things, not just for this season, but for the future of the program. And again, I, I think if I could go back and redo the postgame, uh, you know, podcast, <laughs> I wouldn't have been as hard on Will Howard. I, I wouldn't. Um, because again, he's still a kid. He's so much stuff is stacked against him. Yeah. If he could come back and have a big game versus Nevada, that just changes everything. It, it, it could be massive for the program. You know, it's funny. I can like tell you're reaching and trying to figure out new things to say, but it's like the listeners haven't heard you say the first time. So you I can't can remember, say the same time shit. Out, but here's the thing. I can't I remember if I said it in the first part of the episode. You're trying to keep it fresh for me. And I respect that. But um, here's the thing. This means so much. But in the grand scheme of scenes, it, it probably doesn't mean that much for the, like the career of Will Howard. Um, but right now, it feels like it means everything. Um, and here's the thing. We don't need a huge game from Will. Top to bottom, we are a better team than Nevada, and I truly believe that. Um, they have weapons that are, are going to hurt us, um, and we're going to have to answer them. But we see this offense all the time in the Big 12. This is the type of shit that you know we are – accustomed to this is the type of shit that you know Klanderman goes into the season preparing for good quarterbacks very good quarterbacks very very good wide receivers so if anything this is just a great warm-up for the conference slate um but I tell you what Scott a lot of people were saying it and now I am believing it this is a pendulum game this is maybe the pendulum game of the season especially now that Skyler is out and hurt 
if we lose this, we're legitimately staring at two and four. Um, at least that's in the back of our minds. Um, particularly with this injury trouble that we're suffering now, losing this one would really, really hurt. And it could set us back for that continuation of a really, really tough stretch. We just have to find a way to win Saturday. It's as simple as that. I don't care how the fuck we do it. Find a way to win. We have to find the coaches have to be scheming their asses off. They need to be putting in Bill Snyder hours right now, because (laughs) if they're not like finding every way possible to highlight Will Howard's strengths and diminish his weaknesses, then we could lose. No, I'm right there with you. You said it perfectly. Going 3-0 keeps the momentum going, the fan buy-in high heading into Big 12 play. Because here's the thing. We're currently underdogs. If we lose this game, we're going to be underdogs for the next three games. All of a sudden, if you're sitting at 2-4 and four after the Iowa State game, it is going to be tough to ever get fans bought back in for this year. You're going to have to do a ton of work to get fans bought back in next year. And the calls for the folks who want to – Fire Chris Kleiman, which, yes, they are there. Those folks are there even after starting the season 2-0. There are people talking about how we should be panicking, that the hire was as bad as folks feared when it first happened. Those folks are there. If you're at 2-4, and all of a sudden those shouts are getting louder and louder. You're going to have to work to get fans back in the stadium. We talked about how much fun it was, that stadium, the the last game, and Coach Kleiman talked about it. But it, we didn't get over the hump. It was not a sellout. No. This next game isn't going to be a sellout. It's going to be maybe 45000 if they do a good job selling tickets this week. You're not getting a sellout this year if you can't get a win. It, like Oklahoma's not going to sell out. Iowa State's not going to sell out. So to get the goodwill of the fans back, you have to win this. And, and, and again, in a regular year, that first game sells out, and it's even attended a little bit better. I think the Delta stuff going on um, made it so some folks weren't going to come to that game. Uh, But again, you didn't get there. So to keep the fans engaged and fans bought in, if you lose this game, all of a sudden shit's getting very dire in a trip to Stillwater and you don't want to be in a dire situation going to Stillwater, Oklahoma. God damn it, man. I'm catching myself now doing that thing where I'm trying to say something new. I'm jumping through hoops trying to say new things just to you. But I'm going to name drop uh, Cole Manbeck because I was talking to him today, and he's right. That second game of the season is always very poorly attended, um, just historically. And I think it's going to be bad this year. Um, I don't expect anything more than 42, 43,000, but I don't really care. I think the most important thing is the students showing up and being engaged and remaining engaged and um, shit. I don't, there's been plenty of 40, 43, 44,000 crowd um, in the history of that stadium that have been absolutely obnoxious. So I'm just hoping that the students show up and that they're great. I agree with you. I think if we, you know, if we lose this game, then we're on a slippery slope of losing fan engagement um, in the first half of the season. It just, it's so unfortunate that we're going to the toughest stress stretch without Skylar. Um, so I just want to keep pounding that, pounding that drum of like, find a way because we have to, we absolutely have to find a way. Cause it's not only, I mean, it is critical. You make a good, you bring up a good point in keeping the fans engaged um, because Arlington is a real possibility. I truly believe that, but it could be lost 
in the first six games of the season. We start off with the three toughest, probably, maybe not, two of the three toughest teams, but Oklahoma State, regardless of what they actually are this year, is not a cakewalk, and we are on the road, and we aren't great in Stillwater. So, you know, winning this game is important for confidence, but it's also important for fan engagement because, man, we have to have guys coming we have to have elite crowds against Oklahoma we have to have elite crowds against Iowa State so we can't knock us down a peg with Nevada because people are you know it's going to be tough we could absolutely start 0-1 and we need the fans to remain engaged yes 100% and then again you, you mentioned it Will Howard is capable of beating Nevada he should have beat Oklahoma State last year the season can still be a magical year. If they keep the magic going, they can get to Arlington. They can keep this kind of good vibes going. It, it just sucks that it's, okay, you're seeing the Big 12, at least in week two, kind of crumble a little bit. And I, I see it on Twitter. It was like, you know, I hate them, but, you know, the Heartland College Sports talking about how, oh, if Skylar Thompson was healthy, he'd be the second best quarterback in the Big 12. My friend Parker, who does advanced analytics and is a TCU fan, he's saying Skylar Thompson, second best quarterback in the Big 12. You have everything coming together with the secondary, with the defensive line, Daniel Green out there. It's like it's all – here it is. The magic was there. And then it's taken from you because you're going to have a multi-week injury with your quarterback. So if Will Howard – and he's capable of doing it. He is good enough to get us wins these next two weeks – and get us to the point where we can get Skyler back and still have that magical season on the horizon. Um, then it's like, all right, boys, saddle up. Um, but it's still a tough task. I think yeah. we're correctly underdogs for this game. Um, I agree. I, I get it. So, but so you have Will Howard has to find some of that magic himself. Well, here's my thing. I've been beating the magic drum all year. I think the Cats have the juice this year. And I'm going to take, I'm going to choose to take an extremely optimistic spin and I'm going to hit the optimistic lane and say that even in Skyler's injury, we still have the magic. We thought, and 47,000 people thought, and whoever extra thousand people were watching on ESPN plus where the first down lines were flying all over the screen, legitimately thought that Skyler Thompson's entire career was over and now we're seeing that he could be out for minimum you know two weeks so i'm saying we still have the magic we are going to find a way to get through these next two weeks with william the thrillium howard and you know i i mean don't you feel at this point how don't you feel fortunate at this point because sitting in our seats on saturday it was a very grim low feeling seeing your, you know, seeing our veteran quarterback collapse with a non-contact, what we thought was a non-contact knee injury was very, very depressing. It was very scary. And I always, I was ready to like throw the season out the window because I mean, not throw the season out, but I was ready to be okay. We, okay. How can we get to six and six? And I don't feel that way anymore because we still have the magic. I think we're very fortunate to be in the position we are in now. And, um, Let's see if the defense and the weapons we have on the offensive side of the ball can carry us through the next couple of weeks unscathed. Exactly. And you mentioned it, the defense, this new idea of the mob mentality defense, it's taking over. 
what they were able to do versus Stanford, who lit up USC and then got Clay Helton fired, what they're able to do three out of the four quarters or Southern Illinois, where they, you know, got big turnovers. They got all these sacks. I think they're in the top 10 of the nation through two weeks getting sacks. They're about to face two NFL wide receivers, NFL tight end, and a quarterback who in mock drafts is the number one overall pick. If they want to keep this mantra going, if they want to keep, oh, the mob is back, all this type of stuff, they need to come up big for us. And here's the thing, Nevada versus Idaho, Idaho State, whatever, whoever they played last week, they're hitting big plays. That's not something we're giving up. And, again, it's not sexy to talk about, oh, the bend but don't break, yada, 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 yada. As long as we're not giving up these 40, 50-yard plays, I have enough confidence in our guys getting to the quarterback or our secondary making a play on the ball to make it so we're not going to have to score in the 30s to beat Nevada. And that is going to be massive because, again, as much as we're trying to rally around Will, if you're telling me right now Nevada scores 31, you have to go out and beat that, I'm not liking our chances. Not liking our chances one bit. So they have to keep this mob mentality, this big play defense going. Otherwise, we're in a lot of trouble. Well, I mean, here's the good thing. In the the first two games that we've seen – this defense hasn't really given up those big chunk plays, those big impact plays. So I have confidence we won't do that, and they're going to be attacking our secondary first and foremost, which is probably the deepest and most talented, um, rivaled by, of course, our defensive line, which is also pretty talented and very, very deep um, aspect of our defense. But it's no doubt. I mean, there's, there's nothing you can say. It's a massive test. It's a monumental task. The D-line has to create pressure all day. Uh, we got to make Strong basically miserable. Um, and I think I think we will. I think we're going to hit Strong all day. Um, he Has he ever played a good team? <laughs> has he ever well, played, mean, a, played a legitimate Cal. I don't defense? think Cal's good. I don't Cal's think Cal's good. Not good. Cal's not good, and they only scored 22 points. So, you know, I, I think we're going to be able to score more than that, and I think we'll probably hold them to that. But – that's about as black and white as you could see it. I just think I agree with coach. There's going to be a lot, a lot of 50, a lot of 50, 50 balls for our secondary. And we just got to win the majority of them. Um, and I have faith in, I have faith in that. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I'm right there with you. Um, the next thing I had in here is you're on the edge of being a top 25 team. If I mean, Nevada's right there with you. So you'd think that if you can get that win, It'd be one of the better wins of the week that a team competing to get in the top 25 could have. So I'm saying, hey, you know, if you get this, you get back in the top 25, it'll be the third straight season where we make an appearance. And again, I would rather be in the top 25 in the postseason rankings than in week three or four. Um, so it's not the end all be all, but it would be a nice little feather in, in the cap of Chris Kyman to say, hey, look, I've gotten this team to a top 25 ranking each of the three seasons I've been there. So Again, I think, and you pointed it out correctly the first time we recorded it. They're probably. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> we've already we've already broken the fourth wall. We already told them this is the second time. Well, pro- we, we we might get a chance to do it again. But again, if you lose this game, all of a sudden, do you get that game versus Oklahoma State? You're not probably not getting that Oklahoma game. Are you going to get that Iowa State game? So it's up in the air. If you don't get this one, it's like all of a sudden, all right, are you going to find a way into the polls this year? And again, I want to see, I just want to see it at like 12, 15, the Emily Starkey, you know, shooting off the tweet from the K-State football account, K 
K-State, 22 in the AP poll, 23 in the coaches poll. That would get me jazzed. Again, it doesn't mean anything. Rankings don't mean shit, but it's fun to say. It's fun to say, hey, we have a top 25 football program, and it's recognized. I think you're correct when you said the first time. Again, I'm doing it again. I apologize. But we are at one of the 25 <laughs> best teams in college football. I truly believe it. Totally agree. But to have that number next to your name on ESPN.com, that's fun. I enjoy yeah. that. I agree. This is a top 25 team. And, you know, I, I think it does, um, it does go a long way um, for Clemson to have three back-to-back to back, uh, excuse me, seasons where he has cracked the top 25. And I think this is his best team. And I don't think it's very close. We have more weapons um, than he's ever had. And, um, you know, when we're at full strength, uh, I think this is a very well-rounded team that, that can challenge for a conference championship. Um, so I agree. I hope we can, I hope we can win it. I think if we do win this game, we will be like 25th and that would be nice going into Stillwater. Um, here's a question for you. If we're, if we're 25th, well, fuck Oklahoma state might be ranked if they win too. Cause they're right around. Are they yeah, ranked I mean, now? They're getting votes. Well, if we're, if we're 25, do we go into Stillwater as dogs? Yes, 100%. I agree. I agree. 100%. I final love the thing, dog role, but I want to be ranked. I want to be ranked. I'm fine with being dogs. Um, final thing, Deuce Vaughn currently, believe it or not, is putting together a pretty quietly, uh, you know, elite stat line. If he continues this pace where he has four touchdowns, 244 rushing yards, he could be close to that 1,500-yard mark, 24 touchdowns, which is a pretty damn good mark for a running back. Again, not a lot in the passing game, which is, uh, you know, kind of putting egg on my face from some of the stuff I was saying in the offseason. So can he keep up that pace? Nevada isn't great at stopping the run, so I think the potential is there. So that's the last thing that I'm really going to be keying in on and having my eye on going into this game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I personally believe he's going to continue to be getting the same volume of carries. Um especially now that Skyler sidelined, but listen, Deuce is our out and out best weapon. He's probably our best player on the offensive side of the ball. He's even better than Skylar Thompson. I mean, the guy is insane. Um, and he's a freshman. So I think I don't, I, I even looking back to the off season coach was implying that he's going to get a shitload of carries and that he's good at running between the tackles and he's just as good at running between the tackles as he is in the edge. I think coach believes that, and I'm starting to believe it. Um, I think he's just going to, he's going to stamp him. This is his chance now, really stamp himself as truly an elite college running back. Cause we're going to be feeding shit out of him now that Skyler's out. Um, just like we basically did for the, the final three quarters of that game. So um, I think Deuce is going to do some damage on Saturday. Definitely. Now it's time for our keys to be our keys to be this week are sponsored by the university of Kansas athletics, big 10. Why don't you want us? Please take us. We promise we're, we're not as bad as we seem. KU athletics, please take us big 10. All right. Keys to be, let's get into it. You have the first one. Number one key to V dictate the pace of the game we are facing an elite quarterback with three excuse me two elite wide receivers and one elite tight end 
See, recording again helps you fix your we mistakes. Should, we should do it everything a second time. Yeah, I guess so. And we'll both be like um, drunk when we do it the second time. Honestly, I need to drink more when we uh, record because it's a lot more fun. But um, listen, Nevada likes to throw the ball like 70% of the time. We need to keep them off the field. We need to keep their good-ass quarterback cold. Um, I think we're going to have to grind them grind them out with our ground game, burn that clock. Um, this is one of those games where I actually believe that like owning the time of possession is kind of critical. Um, it's, it's not going to serve us well to get into a shootout with them because we will lose the quarterback battle if we try to get into a passing shootout. Yep. My first one is someone needs to have a legendary game. Felix was the one who had it versus Southern Illinois. And honestly, it won it for us. So who will be that guy who kind of puts his name in the books for a single game performance to win this one? It doesn't have to be a guy who's going to go on to have a massive season for us. Maybe this is like remembered as the Keenan Garber game or the Jerkadia Wright game or I don't know, the Matter Bay Bay game. Like someone just needs to step up and put the team on their back. You know, the Julius Brents game where he gets two pick sixes. I don't know who it's going to be, but for a game like this, I think you're going to need someone to have an individual legendary performance. So that's my first key to be. Okay, let me ask you, who's it going to be? I mean, why not Echo? Well, because they don't throw to him. No, Julius Brents. Julius Brents is going to get two picks in this game. Boom. Okay. I love it. The Julius Brents game. I want it to be Echo, but you're right. Like they don't they're not going to throw at him. No. He's too good. Um, my second key to V is to start strong. Um, I think we really need to avoid trying to play catch up in this game. It kind of I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand with my first one, but preferably in this game, we're gonna need to make a statement early, establish ourselves. Cause if we let them jump up on us 14 0, um, kind of like you know, some of our best teams in the past, 2012, Tech jumped up on us, 14-0, but it didn't matter because we were good and we were able to kind of grind our way back into that. And we had a veteran quarterback, Colin Klein, and that was a complete team. If we get jumped up on 14-0 now, I don't have a lot of faith that our very green quarterback is, is not going to get super antsy, that the coaches are not going to get super antsy with that green quarterback. So it's not going to be a recipe for success. We need to start fast. Um, we need to take this game by the scruff and, and never, never let it go. I'd be all for that. My final one is don't end up on Carson Strong's pre-draft package. I can't remember who it was, but I, I, again, I think it was someone from Oklahoma. I just remember watching draft coverage and constantly seeing, you know, Oklahoma just cooking K-State. So basically if you can make life difficult for Carson Strong, don't give up the big plays. Don't give them easy throws, hit them turn them over, you know, make life hard for them. We're going to win. If you end up getting to the point where in April, May, you're seeing a bunch of Nevada versus K-State highlights on ESPN, we're going to lose the game. So those are our keys to be. We're going to get into our game picks. They're sponsored by Spotify Green Room. We're going live every Wednesday on Spotify Green Room. Download in the Apple iOS store or the Android app store and join us. Keep in mind, it's not just us. Hundreds of rooms always going, including athletes, journalists, insiders, celebrities, and pop culture just a couple weeks ago. Actually, probably about a month ago at this point, the original cast of Gossip Girl was on Spotify Green Room. I'd be lying if I said I didn't join in. All right, we're doing all the Big 12 games during the college game day game, the Fox Big Noon Saturday game. The Boneheads went 12-3 and last week with the best score. They're still at 19-11. Grant and I both went 11-4, and 21-9. 
Grant, unless you're changing something up or unless you have any qualms, we're going to go rapid fire. I can't remember, here. bro. Huh? I did change some, but now I remember. Okay, let's rapid fire through them. Okay, you let me know when I know what changed. I got. We I got a clean got. sweep. Boneheads have Oklahoma 93-7 to seven, uh, versus Nebraska. We both like Oklahoma big. West Virginia, Virginia Tech. Boneheads have the Hokies going in there and pulling off the road upset. I'm going with West Virginia uh, Mulan P- uh, Puskar Stadium going hard 11 a.m. noon their time. Are you sticking with West Virginia or are you flipping that one? Sticking with West Virginia. Okay. Everyone has Baylor. You and I think it's going to be close. Boneheads have that in a blowout at KU. Texas Tech hosting uh, Florida International. This is going to be a close game. They struggled. Texas Tech struggled with a very bad Stephen F. Austin team. Everyone has Tech. Boneheads have them big. Texas hosting Rice. Boneheads having a big clean sweep. Boise State hosting Oklahoma State. Boneheads going with Boise State, 66 to 34%. The last time through, we both said, hey, Oklahoma State is going to lose. We want them to win. We desperately want them to win, but we both have Boise. Iowa State on the road to UNLV. Everyone has the Cyclones. Cyclones big. They bounce back. ESPN College Game Day Game of the Week. Boneheads have Penn State 57% over Auburn, 43%. In a whiteout, I still have Penn State. Are you, is that the one you're switching? Nope, still have Penn. Nope. Okay, we all have that. Cincinnati at Indiana, they're riding hard for the Big 12 members. 93 to 7%. It's going to be way closer than that. I think Cincinnati wins by a field goal. Are you still with the Bearcats? Still with the Bearcats. All right, everyone has Northwestern big over Duke. I think it's closer. You think it's big. I have everyone has Stanford over Vandy. I think that is a big win for Stanford, and more AP voters are going to put them in front of K State next week. Then we have Arizona at BYU. Boneheads going big for the Mormons, 89% to 11%. I'm going with the Sun Devils. I'm going with Arizona State. Are you sticking with BYU? I'm sticking with BYU. Okay. Alabama at Florida. Everyone's Alabama big. It's a top 10 game. Florida is not that good. Minnesota at Colorado boneheads. This is the closest one. It came down to a few votes. They're going with Colorado 51 to 49%. I'm going with the Buffaloes. Are you switching this one? This is the one I switched at the last okay, moment. So and I'm keeping it. No, 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 no. I mean, that's the one I switched in the first recording. I'm keeping with Minnesota. I believe in PJ Fleck. Okay. I don't want to go through the logic. I almost flipped you last time. It was a great yes. performance I'm, by me. I I'm, almost sold you. I'm not flipping but. just because, hey, we already recorded it once. I'm not going back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the moment we've all been waiting for. The Boneheads have K-State 75 to 25%. This is where I came down to. I think the defense is going to do just enough to keep us in the game. And Will Howard, Penn 15, Bill the Butcher, you know, Billy the Kid, whatever we want to call him, I think gets just enough done. K-State 27, Nevada 23. Grant, what do you have? I've got the Cats 21-20. It's going to be close, but Will the Thrill is going to prove himself as a Power 5 quarterback, and he's going to have us feeling a little bit better about our future. All right, well, that's all we have. I'm sorry that this is not nearly as good as the first time we recorded it, but hey, that's what happens when it's a fan podcast and we're over-the-top transparent with everything we do. We love you guys. Go Cats. We're going live Wednesday, 7 p.m., God's time zone to talk K-State football versus Nevada and put a bow on K-State Southern Illinois. Hashtag no new friends. You don't have to be nice to anyone this week. Grant, uh, just explain to the Boneheads what they might be hearing at the end of the show and then hit us with the catchphrase. Oh, boy.
folks, Norm McDonald passed away today. Um, Norm was extremely influential in my formative years in my childhood. Probably my favorite comedy man of all time. Definitely in my lifetime. Um, Norm once said a joke should surprise the audience, but it shouldn't pander, which was an amazing joke in and of itself because he was so good at telling hilarious jokes while pandering horrendously. And that's how we're going to end the show today with one of George's, uh, Norm's most famous jokes, the moth joke. And uh, I love Norm MacDonald so much. And I'm super sad today. So Norm, rest in peace. And folks, meet me at the Cathead. I'm sitting with Norm MacDonald. And... Now, not all your material comes uh, from, the, from the news. Is that right? You know, no, you, some you... of my material comes, my strongest material comes from real life. Real life? Like, for instance, today I was driving in a, a car. Mm -hmm. You were kind enough to bring a car to bring this old chunk of coal here to the studio. <laughs> we, send, we send cars for our guests, yes. Yeah, so I got in it, and that's, I, you know, I get material that way. So my driver, What do you mean? What, what, how do you get material that way? You get in the car, and what happens? Uh, my driver tells me a joke. <laughs> <laughs> the driver we sent to pick you up told you a joke. Yeah. And you're going to tell it now on the show. Yeah, that's how I get a lot of my material. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why don't we just have him on next time? Uh, that guy. You, no, that guy. No, wait till you hear me do it. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy, he goes, uh, uh -huh. he, uh, I say, uh, I'll be the guy. Okay. Uh, a moth. <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office. A moth goes into a podiatrist's office. Right. You are correct. <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office, mm -hmm. and uh, the podiatrist's office says, what's the problem? And the moth says, what's the problem? Where do I begin, man? He goes, I go to work for uh, Gregory Olinovich, and uh, all day long I work. Honestly, Doc, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't even know if Gregory Olinovich knows. He only knows that he has power over me, and that seems to bring him happiness. But I don't know. I wake up in a malaise, and I, I walk here and there. And the podiatrist says, oh, yeah? And the moth goes, yes. And he goes, uh, at night, I, I sometimes wake up, and I turn to some old lady in my bed that's on my arm. A lady that I once loved, Doc. I don't know where to turn to. My youngest, Alexandria. She, she fell in the, in, the, in the cold of last year. The cold took her down as it did many of us. And my other boy. And this is the hardest pill to swallow, Doc. My other boy. Gregario <laughs> Ivanolidovich. I no longer love him. As much as it pains me to say, when I look in his eyes, all I see is the same cowardice that I, that I catch when I take a glimpse of my own face in the mirror. If only the cowardice was stronger, then perhaps... Perhaps I could bring myself to reach over to that cocked and loaded gun that lays on the bedside behind me. And in this hellish facade once How long a drive was this? <laughs> do you live in the valley? Where do you live? Please, sorry. 
He says, Doc. Sometimes I feel like a spider, even though I'm a moth. Just barely hanging on to my web with an everlasting fire underneath me. I'm not feeling good. And so the, moth, the, the doctor says, Moth, man, you're troubled. But you should be seeing a psychiatrist. Why on earth did you come here? And then the moth said, Because the light was on. Congratulations to anyone who stuck it through to the end. <laughs> so, so Norm. What? <laughs> We're pretty much out of time. I. Sports Social Podcast Network.